What is going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host, joined as always by my friend and co-host Patrick Mayhorn. Patrick, I have become aware that I'm starting the show in almost the same verbatim sentence every time, and it's it's really upsetting. <laughs> How are you? How are you doing, though? I'm doing well. We've had we're, we're recording this Tuesday um, right after noonish Eastern time, and it's been a wild one today. I, I woke up to news of Zach Smith doing racism. I guess I'm I'm really not <laughs> not super sure on on what all is going on there. So it was pretty much like I woke up and just immediately injected brain worms into my skull. So it's been a good one today. <laughs> today was a perfect example of why you should not open Twitter ever. until like 3 or 4 <laughs> p.m. Or ever. Yeah, e- either one, but definitely not in the morning. But yeah, mid-November, and it's it's been a hot one out there, folks. And we might as well just kick it off with this. I don't know how much time we're going to spend on this, but it's definitely a story, and it's a... Interesting story that's already taken a bunch of twists and turns. So if you want to follow along, the day started probably at 10 a.m. Eastern time when Brett McMurphy of the original Zach Smith reporting in the offseason news said that multiple sources told him in the place he works at, Watch Stadium, that Urban Meyer helped cover up a racially charged practice altercation between former assistant Zach Smith and former Buckeye receiver Trevon Grimes in 2017. Ohio State admits, quote, interaction between Smith and Grimes, but denies racial slur. And then the title to this piece is called The Search for the Truth About Trayvon Grimes' Transfer from Ohio State to Florida, and it's about roughly 9,000 words It's absurdly long. It is incredibly (laughs) long. I skimmed over it. A lot of it doesn't have to do with whatever the headline is, whatever the story is, and I don't know where, where to start with this other than Ohio State has come out and like taken the flamethrower to Brett McMurphy on this one. So first, about a couple hours after that came out, President Michael Drake put out a statement on Twitter tweet said we stand by osu coach meyer and strongly refute the reported allegations the university statement uh, unequivocally and vehemently disputes the unfounded allegations by brett mcmurphy any allegations of racism are outrageous and false and i guess i glossed over the the main portion of this so what brett mcmurphy is saying is essentially that zach smith said the n-word at practice one time to trevon grimes and this is what led to him transferring and the university has come out and put a statement on it. Gene Smith just came out and put a statement on it saying the accusations made today by Brett McMurphy regarding our coach and the reasons for the transfer of Trevon Grimes are unequivocally false and goes on to say that I personally know that and say that our coaches, student athletes and support staff know there's no place for any such behavior within our programs at the Ohio State University or anywhere. So there's a lot to this story, and I, I don't really know what to think other than I think I will stand out here and say that Brett McMurphy looks pretty bad. Yeah. You know, who who knows what happened in practice? Football gets heated, practice gets heated, but it, it seems like if this were true that 
there would be a lot more there would be a lot less from Ohio State because even there's been a lot of players Tate Martell has come out Josh Perry who I, I, he wasn't around but there's been a lot of former players and current players who have been like no this didn't happen if it did happen there would definitely be a bigger stink about it so i think that's where i'm at with it yeah it it's a really strange story in general as someone who is not new <laughs> to writing extremely long pieces brett's piece i i really i have some some issues with the way that, that he did this with some of the things that he reported um specifically going into excruciating detail really on on Trevon Grimes's family history which just kind of felt unnecessary and it it really does it it's not it feels like something that a major website wouldn't report and i don't know if stadium has editors of any kind it doesn't seem like they do and i think that there is some stuff in the report that that is valid there's there's parts where it's talked about Urban Meyer and a couple other members of the staff, I think Ryan Day was one of them, were on a a, pli- a private flight down to Florida to meet with Trayvon um, after all of this went down. And that's interesting and intriguing, and I'm not really sure what was what was going on there and if they really were just down there to, um, to support him. But there are some things in this report that are just, I mean, <laughs> they, they've been disputed by players who were at the practice pretty consistently and I, I think that while Zach Smith is pretty obviously a bad dude and I think that he's guilty of the things that he was accused of in in August I don't think that Ohio State's football players would let him really get away with with what he was accused of at a practice I don't think that that would slide at a major football program in 2018 I, I just don't I don't see how that how that would happen. And that's that's kind of what former players and current players have said on Twitter. I think Josh Perry said something specifically about how if that had happened, people would have known about it when it happened. Um, and I do think that there was an altercation. Um, I, I'm not surprised by that at all. Zach Smith was very hands-on as a coach, and that's not like a insinuating that he was violent. It's just he yelled at players a lot. And... I, I wouldn't be surprised if he rubbed some people the wrong way in the way that he handles things. Obviously, he's a moron. Um, <laughs> but the the reporting was, was pretty, not flimsy, but it, it's just, it's a lot of information that amounts to not a whole lot of actual substantive evidence. And I think that Ohio State has, has handled this the right way by kind of getting out in front of it which is <laughs> new for Ohio State they didn't do that a lot in August they were uh they they really did not handle that well from a PR standpoint but I think that this is a story that was more meant to just drive clicks than than anything and I, I think that if anything Brett is is kind of hurting his credibility which is unfortunate because I do think his original reporting in August was necessary and accurate but He's just, he's kind of going out on a limb here, and I don't think that it was appropriate to report this story with the sourcing that he did. Yeah, and there's been players' parents. I know Sean Wade's dad said something about it, saying, hey, this isn't this isn't the kind of thing that, that would happen here. And I, I think it is worth saying that Ohio State is in what I think is probably a unique position 
in the NCAA and in college athletics in that they have an African-American athletic director and school president who have both put out statements on this. And I think if there was more to it, you would not see statements from Gene Smith or President Michael Drake. And so that adds another layer to this story. And that was something that, that Gene Smith said in his statement in terms of, you know, a, a atmosphere that Ohio State has that isn't racist or has that, you know, sort of sort of atmosphere to it or environment to it. So there's a lot of interesting things at play here. But but like you said, it, it did, you know, we, we aren't the podcast to talk about, oh, someone's doing this for clicks. But it, it does kind of seem like that's that's what the, the MO is here. And I, I'm not sure what his real goal of this is because it, it just seems like if Ohio State was I, – I don't even know the right word for it. If they had thought that there was any inkling of truth to this, they would not come out and strongly oppose it as hard as they did because we saw Michael Drake at that press conference with Urban Meyer – before the season, he didn't look like he was very happy with what was going on. And he looked like he would be fine with Urban Meyer leaving. So I think it says something that he has kind of immediately taken the forefront to this and stood out against it. I I think that that's very telling because I don't think he owes Urban Meyer anything after the events of the last three months. Yeah, for sure. And it, it, it is a, it's a strange situation all around because like I said I do think that there's some truth to the the reporting I do think that there was an altercation it seems like all of the players who have commented on it have confirmed that there was an altercation which um, isn't great it's not a great look for the the program in general that this this guy Zach Smith who is I mean pretty obviously not a great not a great dude he certainly wasn't a great coach by any means and the the fact that urban meyer kept him on staff for so long and that it it tangibly hurt his program it tangibly impacted their on the field play on top of the fact that urban meyer was enabling zach smith during all this time and then they lost a five-star receiver because of it it's not good it's certainly not good that urban meyer kept zach smith on staff for so long but i i don't think that Urban Meyer covered up a racially charged fight in practice. I'm sure that Ohio State has altercations in practice. That's kind of a a mark of a, a high level football program. These guys are very competitive and they'll they'll fight sometimes. And I, I don't think that this is that anyone that that doesn't think that those sort of things happen in football, even in today's climate, I'm not saying that it's right, but I mean that is just always what football is going to be I mean at the, at the core of it and that's I mean it, it's a violent sport and it's a sport where that is used as as motivation in terms of getting in people's face and yelling at them and especially you know we hear all the time especially at a place like Ohio State when you read some of these profiles about older players or guys who make it to the NFL not almost always but a lot of times you hear man that first year I really wanted to quit. It was hard. I, I thought about quitting, and, and I don't think that that's something that people take into account a lot when they hear guys say, it was so bad, I wanted to leave. You know, Even guys that have really good careers, that first year, and that's that's a part of this piece, is Grimes saying that he wanted to leave, that it wasn't what he thought it was, that his dad thought it would be 
more and he would, you know, be better in his first year. And that's just not the reality of it, especially at a place like Ohio State. And almost unequivocally, you hear like, man, that first year sucks. I hated it here. I wanted to quit football. And that's just kind of what football is for better or for worse. Yeah, and um, <laughs> thank you here to uh, to Mike Weber on Twitter for an awesome transition out of this um, this kind of tricky thing to to talk about. It's a it's a very strange uh, situation all around. Mike Weber says on Twitter, "Hey guys, we play Maryland this weekend," and that's correct. Ohio State plays Maryland this weekend. I'm very scared about it. <laughs> I'm very concerned about Ohio State playing Maryland this weekend. Tell me why, because I'm not. I, I want give me give me the case on what 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 you think Maryland is bringing to this game that should worry Ohio State and Ohio State fans. Okay, so I was looking yesterday at Bill Connolly's excellent college football stat pr- profiles that he puts out for for every team, as I do every week to help prepare for these um, these previews. That's pretty much the only preparation that I do. And I was looking at Maryland's and kind of comparing it to Purdue's because like they're pretty similar teams, really. They're, Maryland's offense is not nearly as good as Purdue's, but the things that they do on offense is pretty similar. And unfortunately, I found what I was looking for in that comparison because Maryland's offense is super explosive. They're, they're ninth in marginal explosiveness. They're eighth in isolated points per play. Their rushing explosiveness is seventh in the country, passing 23rd. They're extremely explosive. They're not particularly efficient. Both of those uh, success rate and marginal efficiency are in the hundreds. But pretty much if they're going to move the ball, it'll be on a big play. And that's kind of how Purdue works. And Ohio State had a lot of trouble with Purdue. So I, I do think that Ohio State's big play defense has gotten better recently. We we haven't talked about that a ton, but I think that having Brendan White and Sean Wade back at, at safety alongside Jordan Fuller has helped quite a bit with limiting the big plays. It feels like it's been a couple weeks really back to the Purdue game since Ohio State was burned super consistently in a game. They, they've still given up a couple. But I, I think that... If Maryland can score at all, it'll be with those big plays, and that really worries me with this defense. Yeah, and I, I think that that's definitely a valid worry. And uh, maybe for me, the only big difference between Purdue and Maryland is that right now Purdue is the 23rd ranked offense in S and P, and I think Maryland is 90. Yeah, they're 93rd. So Maryland to me is like a 215 hitter, but hits 40 home runs. And that's, like you said, if they're making a play, if they're moving the ball, their big plays are huge plays. And that's been a very big concern for Ohio State's defense all year. And you mentioned they've kind of, I think, patched it up might not be the best word, but they've improved upon it the last few weeks. We'll see what they do this week. But Maryland's going to be without their starting quarterback, Kasim Hill, Torres ACL, Tyrell Pigrom is going to start for Maryland. And we've seen him do some things the last couple of years when, when he's been healthy and come into the game. But it, it really is, I think, just a matter of, at least for Ohio State's defense, how many of the big plays they give up. You know, if they give up three big plays in this game, I think that they're okay. But if they're giving up like seven or eight, I think that's where the worry comes in. Yeah, and the the loss of Kasim Hill is certainly not great for Maryland. Tyrell Pigram is pretty good. He's a much better runner than than Hill is, but he's not 
he's not the passer to say that Kasim Hill isn't a great passer either. He's under 50% completion percentage on the season. But like you said, it, it really is. Maryland is either hitting a home run or they're striking out. And against Ohio State's defense, I feel like there's the potential for a couple home runs. And, and Maryland's defense is not significantly better than, than Purdue's, but pretty good. It's it's a whole it's a whole 21 rankings or ranks better. It's up at 42, and Purdue's is uh, 63. So Maryland can Maryland can play some defense, and Ohio State's offense has not been great recently. I, I wrote a film study about their offense, Ohio State's offense, and the passing game is, we, we talked about this a little bit on the post-game podcast too, but the passing game is actually pretty bad right now. Dwayne Haskins really isn't playing super well. He, he doesn't seem to be throwing with the same kind of confidence that he did at the beginning of the season, and I'm, I'm kind of concerned about that. Maryland's defense is not great against efficient play, which is helpful for Ohio State. I think Ohio State's going to be able to run on this defense, and They'll probably be able to keep up if it is a shootout, but that was what we said about the Purdue game, and um, they couldn't. So I, I'm not I'm not entirely sold on Ohio State's offense here either, and I, I think the defense should be better this week than it was against Purdue. It, it does seem like the defense has improved a little bit, but it, it's kind of a similar story here going into the Maryland game. Maryland's kind of middle of the pack in terms of turning the ball over this year. They only have 13 turnovers but to me it feels like the type of game where if Maryland doesn't have any turnovers that's where it's like fourth quarter and all of us are like oh shit this yeah. is actually happening but if Maryland has two I, I think two turnovers there's probably little to no chance that they win this game so to me that's probably the key for them and the key for Ohio State is if if they're going to give up a couple of big plays they can offset that by forcing a couple of turnovers and that can be what turns the game yeah, and they, I, I, it does feel like this could be the kind of game where Ohio State has a one-score lead heading into the fourth quarter, or it's you know it's tied heading into the fourth quarter. Ohio State's losing at halftime, that kind of thing. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like 24-21 Ohio State going into the fourth quarter, and then they just pulled away because their depth is better, and that's kind of just what Ohio State does this season. But I could also see it being a super back and forth. Um, like you mentioned, the, the turnovers are going to be a pretty crucial part of, of this game. Maryland has had pretty significant turnover luck this season, um, way way better than they were expected to. And with <clears throat> their backup quarterback starting, now, I think that that could catch up to them. Um, something that we haven't really talked about a ton recently, because I think it was kind of implied before the season and, and throughout the season, that Ohio State's defensive line would make a difference. It hasn't recently. Ohio State's defensive line has not done much of anything for the last couple of weeks. I don't know if that's just a result of the lack of Nick Bosa. I don't. I don't think it is. I think it's a scheme thing. And the fact that teams are able to throw pretty quickly on Ohio State on the, the underneath routes. And Maryland could do something like that. But if the defensive line wants to make itself uh, reappear this week, that would be much appreciated. I think that that would be a big help for Ohio State is if the defensive line has a good game. Yeah, they've been way less attacking than we've seen them in years past. And, and obviously this is... The type of game where, like we said, a couple turnovers I think can be the difference between whether they obviously lose or they win close or they just 
kind of blow Maryland out of the water, which we haven't seen from Ohio State in a long time, it feels like. And yeah, that would be very nice. I feel like <laughs> I, I speak for everybody that's an Ohio State fan. Winning this game by 20 points would be a good thing. Yeah. I would very much appreciate that. And I, I want to see if we're just continuing to talk about the defense the secondary, for the most part, which is what we said in the Mer- in the Michigan State recap, played pretty well. And I want to continue to see Brendan White grow into that role, continue to see Sean Wade play well. I know Pro Football Focus put out a tweet about how good his game was against Michigan State, didn't give up any yards on uh, I don't know how many targets, but he played pretty well, had the interception, which was a product of Draymond Jones's pressure and tipping that ball up. But I think that watching those guys in the back end continue to improve is a very good sign for this defense, and I'll be watching them closely. And I don't know. I don't think we're going to say anything about the linebackers. I think we should just be silent about them for the rest of the season until Justin Hilliard plays. We're on, we're on, yeah, we're on strike. We're on protest for the linebackers. But maybe I'm being a little overtly optimistic, but I think that the defense is going to have their best day in a while, which I don't think is – saying something and I mean after they gave up six points to Michigan State I know you could be like they played really well but I think we agreed that Michigan State's offense is trash and even if they give up 17 to Maryland I think they can look better this week than they did last week even yeah Maryland the main concern with the way that their offense works and the reason that it's so explosive is because um, they have three of the exact kind of receivers that have killed Ohio State all season um, the shorter, really explosive, fast guys that, that just kind of make plays on the underneath routes and can turn those into big plays. In um, Tavon Jacobs, I think it's Tavon Jacobs is how you pronounce that. Um, Jarvis Davenport and DJ Turner, they're all very good. Um, they're all essentially slot receivers in the way that they play, and Ohio State has not had a ton of success against those guys this season. Um, we mentioned this on the post-game podcast, but going back and watching the um the Michigan State game again Kendall Sheffield did not have a good day <laughs> he had a he had a no good very bad day and very bad. yeah and I, I'm I'm a little concerned about him covering really any of these top four receivers because even if you put him on the the taller Jashawn Jones um he's really good he's he's um he's able to make some big plays down the field and I'm I'm not super sure if Kendall Sheffield is able to bounce back and and manage that and I don't think Kendall Sheffield has had a great season just in general he's he's been mostly fine just because teams haven't picked on him too much it's it's mostly been underneath stuff and slot stuff and not throws to the outside because Ohio State is isn't too weak out there but it, it could be another long day for Kendall Sheffield against this this defensive backfield and I wouldn't hate to see Sean Wade take over as the primary corner for this week and maybe for the rest of the season, um, because I, I think he's better than Kendall Sheffield is. I wouldn't be opposed to Sean Wade just being cloned <laughs> and playing all 11 spots. Head coach I think Sean Wade. Would, head coach Sean Wade. I, I'm fine with that. Uh, offensively, you alluded to it a little bit about Maryland's defense, but what do you think Ohio State can do and can't do in this game? I think Ohio State can run. I, Maryland's defense is not super strong. Um, it's it's pretty good against the pass. It's significantly better against the pass than it is against the run. Um, so if Ohio State's rushing, I guess, renaissance, it's, it's kind of a strange approach that they've taken to this season where 
Um, the rushing game is, is kind of back. It's it's still not great, um, but it, it's kind of back, and now the passing game is bad again. Um, but I, I think Ohio State can run on this defense. I think that they can pick up consistent yards. Um, this feels like a, a J.K. Dobbins game. Maryland's defense is pretty good against explosive rushing plays, but not as good against you know five, six-yard carries, and I think J.K. Dobbins can do that pretty well. Passing-wise, I would really like to see Ohio State try to throw down the field. Maryland's defense is not at all good against downfield passing. Their their cornerbacks are not great when they're on an island, and I, I think that Ohio State could take advantage of that. I, I doubt that they will, but that's that's really what they need to be attacking is throwing downfield, running consistently, and I, I don't expect them to do that, but that's where the weaknesses are in this defense. I'm done predicting that one of the running backs will have a big game, so... <laughs> Both of them, both of them will play. One of them will play well. The other one will play marginally well, and we'll say, "Hey, this guy looks good. Why didn't the other guy look good?" So it'd be nice too if if both running backs went over a hundred yards. Maybe that's my prediction. J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber both go over a hundred yards. Let, let's do it. Yeah, I don't know. Let, I don't know it. about that one. <laughs> let's. We're feel. Hey, we're feeling frisky on on today's Holy Land pod. But I, I definitely feel more comfortable that the running game can have consistent success this week than I do the passing game. I, I feel like just so disillusioned right now with what they're doing. And I like the players. I, I really do. And I think that they're able to execute what they're given re- relatively well. And we saw things that were good. We saw things that were bad against Michigan State. But it's just the consistency. And it, it just feels like they don't have any big playability, which we know isn't true. We know these guys can go downfield and make big plays it's just the matter of giving them the opportunity and it just feels like they don't or they're waiting to throw the ball down the field and if the one shot per game doesn't work out then it's just completely axed from the playbook and it just feels like they aren't even bothering and they'll just say ah it's not going to work we're, we're not going to do it and I feel like that needs to be a necessity not only for this week but next week as well against that Michigan defense because they're just they feel so constrained within the field the field feels like it's about 40 yards wide right now and 20 yards long and they're playing in this box no matter who they're up against and it's really restricted what the offense has been able to do and it's restricted their ability to make plays how confident do you think you are right now in if Dwayne Haskins had to complete a 50-yard touchdown pass to win a game. Right now, how confident do you think that he hits that? Because I think I'm at about a 2 out of 10. Yeah, probably the same because they haven't been doing it. And the timings, uh, I mean, it, it just seems like we're back to where we were the last three seasons where there's that one shot per game, it's an overthrow, and that's it. And they don't go back to the well. And especially with a, a player like him that has his arm I just feel like you have to you have to be taking those shots and to Dwayne Haskins credit even during those incompletions and I think JT Barrett did a good job of this as well and I know this is like not the best thing in the world that he's throwing those passes that only his guys can go get. Those deep balls aren't being intercepted for the most part and he's giving his guys at least a shot. They have the best shot at getting the ball. So it's not like he's throwing risky passes down the field, and I would understand if he was, that being axed out of the playbook, but 
I, I feel like they can they need to continue to take shots and I don't feel confident that they will and when they do I I, I guess I just don't feel confident that it's gonna work so I don't even know why I'm talking about it <laughs> if we don't feel confident about it but whatever I, I just still feel like that's something that can open up the offense and I guess at this point in the season it just is what it is hopefully it gets better next year because we just haven't seen it at all in 2018. Yeah, we've got a little bit of uh, live breaking news here on the podcast as I'm looking at my Twitter timeline. So Urban Meyer speaking right now. I think it's for his, his call-in show as he does every Tuesday. And he said that they were that the university is looking into legal action in response to the Brett McMurphy story. So that's, um, I guess, something to, to keep track of. He said that it was the most preposterous thing he's ever heard, um, which feels, <laughs> feels maybe like an overstatement. Um, but so that's the latest update we have um getting back to the the actual the actual game itself i really i think ohio state's gonna win i think ohio state's better maryland is in a very strange place they they still have um matt canada coaching their team and i think matt canada is a pretty good coach but i i just don't think that, that maryland is really talented enough to to pull this one out late i think they'll keep it close but in in general, Ohio State should win this game. Obviously, Ohio State is a significantly better team, and um, hopefully, the the Buckeyes can just win it quickly and not let Maryland hang around forever like they have for the last month and a half or so with pretty much every team that they've played. I'm not confident in that, but I, I do think that Ohio State will win this week maybe more convincingly than they have in the past couple of weeks. I agree, and we've talked a lot about teams not having the depth to match up with Ohio State, and I think that this is a prime example. Maybe this is a very close game for the first half. Maybe Maryland even has the lead going into halftime like we saw with Nebraska, but eventually Ohio State's depth is what's going to put them over the top in this one. And I don't know, I, I feel much more confident than I should that they'll have a pretty solid performance on both sides of the ball. I think we'll continue to see guys like White, Wade, and Okuda improve. I think that they've shown enough to, to where I feel good about that. And Draymond Jones is obviously the guy on the defensive line at this point. We haven't spent a ton of time talking about him, but he came back, and for the most part, I think he's been pretty awesome this season. I, I think once Nick Bosa got injured, a lot of the offense's focus has been put on stopping Draymond Jones and he's been able to make some plays so I think we'll continue to see that from him and offensively I really like that Mike Weber kind of seems back in his bag a confident Mike Weber is good if he's steadily getting carries to the outside hopefully they're still able to do that use some of those jet sweep actions that we saw with Paris Campbell have a little bit more creativity in the run game. I think they'll be able to run the ball and continue to improve there. And I don't know, just fingers crossed and hope and pray that the passing game gets any semblance of explosiveness and consistency. I certainly don't think it'll be as bad as it was against Michigan State. But them winning 38-17 to feels about right to me. If Maryland makes a couple of big mistakes, turns the ball over, uh, another big punting game for Drew Chrisman when Ohio State needs him, but I'll go with 38-17. I, I feel relatively good about this one. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure if I'm that confident. I think it's going to be close until the last 15 minutes or so. Another thing to kind of watch out for for Maryland, and we won't talk about this too much because I, I haven't watched extensive film on them this season, but I have seen a little bit of, Mich of uh, Maryland 
play. I saw them against Texas, and um, I went back and watched them play against Michigan. And a thing that I think might give Ohio State some trouble is that Matt Canada really loves um, pre-play motion. It's kind of his his whole system. Um, and given that Greg Schiano has um, no idea how to coordinate a defense, that could be that could be an issue. I'm not super sure if they'll be prepared for that, and they they might get a little bit confused by some strange formations that Maryland throws at them. But I, I do think that they'll be able to adjust well enough. And and like I said, Maryland probably just isn't talent enough, talented enough to win this game. So I think that it's close going into the fourth quarter. But Ohio State wins. Uh, I'll say 31-21. Um, before we talk about the rest of week. Seven. I will. I will say that this is a week good seven. To, or week seven. Well, I don't know. I'm, week twelve. I don't know what I'm thinking. Week twelve. Yeah. Oh my god. This is, we need to. We need to cut this one short. <laughs> no, I was thinking of. This is a good precursor to, the Michigan game. Yeah. Because you brought you brought up that pre-snap motion and Matt Canada likes to do a lot of window dressing. Michigan does it in a little bit of a different way, but I, I think that that's a good thing for them to kind of work on before the Michigan game because they like to get very creative before the play as well. And I am just dreading that game. I, I hope this is the longest week ever because I do not want to get to next Monday and have to start thinking about that Michigan game. But I, I think that that's something interesting to note and just one last thing on the uh what you said urban meyer said i even if the university is really mad i think as a high level football program even if someone says something against you that isn't true the last thing you want to do is drag your business out into the open courts as a big money college football program i don't think that that's a good idea at all so i think you know even if this isn't true just let this one slide, boys. Don't drag yourself into the courts because you bring nothing but trouble when you take things into the court when you're kind of when you're built like that. Yeah, taking um, <laughs> taking this to uh, to court would certainly be tremendous for for content's sake. I mean, probably get a lot of information out of that. I'm not sure if Ohio State really wants that. Generally, that's not the way schools operate because it's a bad idea. <laughs> it's a bad idea to do. And not to say that Ohio State is is hiding anything, but it's a major university. It's a major football program. There's stuff that happens in a major football program that happens at every major football program that they probably don't want to be looked into further. <laughs> that's that's just kind of the way that college football operates. So I really, I really doubt that that goes anywhere. Um, I think the university kind of knows better than to to drag out a big legal struggle because um there was a a kind of unnecessary story posted about them um but it's certainly it's a very strange situation i i don't expect anything to really come of it um but if we've learned anything about brett in the last couple months he probably has another story waiting to to come out and if that one will be more properly researched i don't know but i i don't I don't imagine Ohio State actually pursues legal action because that just sounds like an awful idea. Surprise, the trial is actually just Patrick and I putting Billy Davis and Greg Schiano on the stand. Yeah, <laughs> that would be so good. We, we'd, be, we'd be really good at that. <laughs> I feel like this is, this is a story that needs to happen. Uh, let's get into week seven, shall week we? Week 12. <laughs> No, it's it's week. Se- it's officially week. It's officially Welcome week seven. Welcome to week now. seven, baby. 
We, Welcome we to just erased college football. We erased. Was that the Purdue week? Do you, <laughs> you like blocked everything out after that? <laughs> that feels like it was too long ago. Oh, the Purdue, the Purdue week, week was like was... the Purdue week was seven years ago. <laughs> That was the Minnesota week, so it was right yeah. before the Purdue week. That was when everything was going swell well, with Ohio State. <laughs> kind of. Everything was great then. Everything after a was 30 great. to 30-14 win over Minnesota. Yeah. What's on tap? I've barely even looked at the schedule this week. I'm seeing Penn State plays Rutgers, if that's Oof. actually a thing. It, it, James Franklin loses that one, <laughs> and he'll just physically say, all right, I have uh, enjoyed my time here in Happy Valley. I am He's headed to what, Colorado. What big games this week? Let's talk about Alabama Citadel. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, we got Maxion all week long starting tonight. Western Michigan Ball State is trash. Don't watch that. But Buffalo, Ohio on Wednesday. Um, if this podcast is out by then, people should watch that at, at 7. Um, the Most of the Maxion isn't very good. Most of the week isn't very good. Um, FAU North Texas on Thursdays is, is decent. FAU's been kind of disappointing this year, but they're still really talented, and North Texas is good. Um, none of the Friday games are really worth watching. And then Saturday, I'm. <laughs> this is how bad the week is. I'm actually not going to be at home until like four Eastern. I'm going to go cover a handball tournament, and there there, there will be Christ. a long form piece on that. I'm excited for it. It'll be fun. It'll be much more fun than watching this because um, the entire SEC is playing FCS teams, including Mississippi State, who's playing Arkansas. And I, I know a lot of people get real mad about the SEC doing that. I don't personally care. I mean, everybody plays bad opponents. They just do it at a smarter time. Um, I, I wish the Big Ten would, would adopt that policy because it's like a smart, helpful thing to do. That's why the SEC is so good at the end of the year. But... The Big Ten slate is, is also pretty trash this week. Um, like you said, Penn State, Rutgers, Ohio State, Maryland, Northwestern, Minnesota are all in that noon slot. Michigan State, Nebraska is in there too, and those are just bad football games. There's really only one or two actually good games this week. I think Notre Dame-Syracuse is going to be fun at, at 2.30. I think Syracuse is possibly going to win that game it's in yankee stadium for some reason and then the game that i think i'm actually most excited for this this week is the game day game cincinnati at ucf that's a banger on um on abc at 8 p.m that's an extremely good game and i think that that's going to be a lot of fun to watch yeah and that's going to be a prime spot for luke fickle yeah. because even <laughs> ohio state head coach luke fickle <laughs> Col- hey colorado head coach mm. luke fickle it, even if he stays at cincinnati i mean that's for recruiting for them, for his job prospects. that That's going to be a big game, and obviously we know what it means for UCF. I, I still think it would be hilarious if UCF finally got this stage and just lost to Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> just like this, this, it was all building up to this moment. They get the primetime game. ESPN's finally here to be like, hey, we're at UCF, and they just lose. But we'll see. It, that is cool that they're doing that game, and I'm glad that it, it worked out both that way for both teams for Cincinnati and UCF Syracuse Notre Dame should be fun Texas Iowa State Iowa State's gonna should crush be fun them. in terms of, yeah <laughs> in terms of like just watching Texas and Tom Herman who's had a very he's had a bad week, week. online <laughs> <laughs> oh man poor poor Texas Texas Tom I'm sorry man <laughs> just what you said about playing FCS schools and the SEC yeah I feel like a lot of Ohio State fans and Big Ten fans 
rip on that. I wish they would do that. Ohio State playing VMI and having Tate Martell go for 500 yards, I think would unequivocally be a very good thing right before the Michigan (laughs) game. I would support that wholeheartedly. So hopefully in future years, that's something that the Big Ten considers. I probably should have said this earlier. I won't be watching the Ohio State game at all. I'm going to Utah, Colorado. I'm flying back home and it's supposed to be 30 degrees and snowing, so your boy's going to be on a different planet for that one, trying to stay warm. Um, yeah, so I, I won't be watching Ohio State in Maryland and won't be live-tweeting. Thank thank God <laughs> I'll be away from Twitter. I, I couldn't be more happy. Christmas came early. Dude, our, our post-game podcast uh, for a game that neither of us are watching live is going to be so good. That's gonna be a doozy. Just looking at the box score. Well, looks like they had a pretty good game. Thanks for listening. So it looks like Tate Martell was three of twenty passing. Hmm. Not sure what went on there. We'll have to investigate this further. We'll be monitoring the situation. If any of you know how to cut YouTube videos, please hook us up with the 15-minute cut yeah. <laughs> of Ohio State Maryland after that one happened, so we can keep up with it. But I would like, um, I would like just the cut of Urban Meyer like slouched over on the sideline, looking distressed. <laughs> Slow mo shots of Greg Schiano yelling at yeah. everybody. Yeah, really close zoom ins on Greg Schiano's big wet mouth. <laughs> I, I suppose this is the main takeaway from this podcast is listeners. We hope that you enjoy Ohio State's game versus Maryland because Patrick and I won't have to. <laughs> enjoy Ohio State and Maryland responsibly. <laughs> Early morning, so you can't get you can't get into too many shenanigans, but we will be back with a recap podcast in some form. Maybe a, a 10 minute quick breeze through of the box score on that one. We don't know yet, but we'll get to that on either Sunday or Monday here on the podcast. Until then, make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple. Go to soundcloud.com slash landgrantholyland. Follow us on Twitter at holylandpod. Follow Patrick at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. Follow me at Dubsco. And follow the site, landgrant33. And stay in tune with everything we have going on at landgrantholyland.com. But until next time, for Patrick Mayhorn, I'm Colton Denning. This has been the Hangout in the Holy Land, and go Bucks.